Hello, and welcome to the Mikey Pod podcast, episode 242 for December 11th, 2017. Today's guests are my friends, the Vegan Moes, uh, Ethan and Michael. Ah, I recorded this interview. This is from the vaults. I recorded this long before I even went on my tour. I felt unhappy with how it recorded. And, um, well, we'll talk about that in a minute, but it's way better than I thought. And it's the Vegan Moes, who are two of my dearest friends. Uh, so this podcast needs to happen, and you need to hear this. Um, but we'll talk more about that in a second. I am your host, Michael Heron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. And as such, I have some pretty diverse tastes in things. So on this podcast, you can hear guests ranging from activists to musicians to pastors to authors, whatever else strikes my fancy. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for a little over 11 years. So if you'd like to know more about me, stop by my website at michaelheron.com. Hit me up on social media everywhere as at Michael Heron, And uh, you could leave a voicemail at 347 347- 460-1752. And you can also send an email, mikeypod at gmail.com. Thank you. I, and if you are a voicemail leaving type, do that now because that number, who knows, it may expire. It's just a Google voice number. And I don't know how long they stick around without anyone calling them. So don't let that poor little thing die. Thank you. I moved. I live in, well, still Brooklyn, New York. But the most beautiful thing about this is I am living above ground. I've lived in a basement probably for the last two or three years. That sounds sadder than it is, but it was pretty sad, especially now that I'm living in a place where I'm currently at my desk looking out a window. It's snowing in Brooklyn. It's December. Winter finally arrived. Um, and I feel really excited about this. Even though it's cloudy and snowy outside, it's like life is happening out there. And before I was staring at a wall. Uh, and I had windows, but uh, not, not they were small, and it, it, it was a very depressing place. Medium depressing, medium depressing. Uh, so I'm super excited. I've got a great new roommate. Her name is, maybe I shouldn't be saying people's names without asking their permission. Her name is awesome. That's what it is. And um, that's it. I'm super excited about this. I did my show. I think last time I did a podcast was before my New York City shows. Um, they went great. I was really worried about uh, having an audience because people didn't buy tickets in advance <laughs> and that was scary but i had great shows got a great great crowds both nights um and then i did it the following week in uh philadelphia i rented a van and loaded up three of my four string players and we went to philadelphia and did the show that was fantastic uh shout out to carlo and carmela um, my friends who are opening a bodega called v marks the shop it's a vegan bodega in Philadelphia. Um, and they're also just wonderful friends. So uh, they were instrumental in making that show happen. So I appreciate it. Finally, I'm doing my little personal updates really quick today. Um, I'm working on a book and an album and, and a video project that I'll tell you more about later. Because uh, uh, I'm not sh- I know what it is, but I don't know how to make it happen. <laughs> uh, so once I figure that out more, I'll probably talk about it more on the podcast. Uh, those are my updates for you today. I really want to get on with it. So if you'd like this always free podcast and the many other things I create, tell a friend, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, any of those places. That really actually means a lot. You can like uh, my Facebook post. You can subscribe, all of those things. And especially, I'd love your support at patreon.com slash Michael Heron, where you can get access to all kinds of cool stuff in exchange for as little as a dollar a month. 
it's going to be kind of interesting leading up into the release of the book and the CD, by the way, because uh, I'll be releasing things to patrons first and uh, questions and conversations about how the stuff is going to look. And it's a really cool community. Um, I, I love having this the sort of support and also just energy around the stuff I'm trying to do, because as you probably know, this isn't a money-making thing for me, even with patrons. And I've got like 101 of them last time I checked, which is fantastic. Um, but it's still just helping me lose more money. <laughs> I lose less money now doing my shows than I used to because of Patreon. And it'd be awesome if Patreon started paying. You know, I had enough subscribers to like support my work. Uh, what am I trying to say? More fully, financially. I feel supported energetically uh but financially yeah it's not there yet but it's getting there and watching this sort of uh evolution is really beautiful where was i uh yeah that's enough enough about me and all that stuff today's guests are the vegan bows and listen i recorded this interview with them way before the summer i think it was in probably may or june of uh of this year and and then uh I was prepping for my tour. I was prepping for the live podcasting I did. And then it just fell by the wayside. And in my mind, I was thinking, oh, that recording wasn't great. I was trying a new technique with my recorder. I just set it on a table and I had given it a quick listen. And I was like, oh, it's no good. This isn't going to work. I was wrong. I, I, uh, uh, Ethan and Michael have been dear friends already. And just over the past few months, especially, we've bonded even further and it just feels like I need to share this with you all because I love them. I love their book. I love all the stuff they're doing at the veganmos.com. Um and I really want to share it with you. And I listened to this this morning and it's not the recording isn't that bad. It's a strangely like casual recording which I think is sort of charming. So um let me know what you think and uh that's it. Before we get to the interview, however, I'd like to play a song for you by a new friend. Her name is Kirsten Marilyn, and you can find links to her website and also her web series, V for Veganism, uh, which is on YouTube. I'll put a link for that, too. It's spectacular. It's really well done. Um, so links, 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 MikeyBot.com. You can find all the links there um, for Vegamos. You know, you, you get the idea. <laughs> MikeyPod.com. Here's Kirsten Marilyn.
I'm here with a vegan mouse. Hi, you guys. Hey. We've got Michael and Ethan. Hey. Um, they have a new cookbook. We do. we do. Is the cookbook out? Well, it's out on the table here. Yes, it is. <laughs> Has it been released? Um, that depends on when this podcast is going up. Uh, it'll go up a week from Monday. Then it's yes. out for almost <laughs> <laughs> It's been out for almost a week. Oh, As of recording, future. no, but yeah. for you listening in the... <laughs> Outer space people. Yes. Yes. It's the outer space. World. <laughs> this actually does go to outer space. Oh my god, this is going all really good, you guys. <laughs> Should you let's each say your name so people who are listening will be able to tell whose voice is whose. Sure. I'm Ethan and I'm a Leo. And <laughs> no, I'm Ethan. I'm Michael. And he's actually a Pisces, so just so we're clear. Yeah. Um and I'm a Gemini. You are. I'm eating what am I eating? You are eating our sun-dried tomato basil spread. Which is from the appetizer section of our cookbook, NYC Vegan. That's a really <laughs> out now. This was actually inspired um, by a need that showed up in our family because um, there are these really um, full dairy, full cruelty uh, varieties of this by a company. I think it's Boisson that makes it, or um, it's one of the it's like you can buy like the cow torturers, yeah. And they they basically <laughs> cheese um, spread. It's a cheese spread, and it's got sun-dried tomato and basil, and it comes in like a pre-packaged tub, and everyone can just pick it up, you peel it away, pop pop it in the middle of your platter, and there you go. And Michael's mom is really partial to this. I mean, mm-hmm. every single family gathering that I have ever been to in the past 13 years has had it there, yeah. even if it's not like seasonally appropriate. It's there. there. It's there. <laughs> just because, uh. you know, cheese with wine, and everyone does wine. And so we were... Uh, I have been vegan, and Michael figured out how to do this. I was like, okay, how can I make a vegan version of this? So I just he played around in the kitchen, and I brought it up to the next family gathering, which was like Mother's Day or Father's Day or something, and put it next to my mom's store-bought, cruelty-filled, dairy-filled one. Mine disappeared. It literally, mm. like within two hours, I went back, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm actually the only vegan here, and everyone's eating my food. So, what's, and then I had this moment of like, ah, this is what it feels like to win mm-hmm. because they're they and everyone keeps saying, oh well, this is healthier, and I'm like, well, sure, it's healthier to not eat dairy, and sure, it's healthier to have like you know, more whole foods and ingredients you can pronounce, but uh, it it kind of won the game. What do you think? Do you like it? Uh, it's delicious. It's like it's a, super it's, creamy. Yeah. So there is some cream cheese in there. Oh See, my, we can actually talk about, this. talk about it. We can talk about it because this is a published recipe. Yeah, it's a, oh it's, yeah, it's a vegan cream cheese, some vegan butter, sun-dried tomatoes, basil. Love. All the things oh, I can taste the love definitely. <laughs> I'm gonna have one. Uh, so let's talk about what the book is. It's NYC vegan. Mm-hmm. It's creamy. all vegan, obviously. It's yes. creamy. It's and love. <laughs> <laughs> with the book, it's creamy. I didn't know I was supposed to. <laughs> so it's all. Uh, well, you guys tell me. I, I was about to like summarize, but yeah, I, you probably know better than me. You know, NYC Vegan, Iconic Recipes for a Taste of the Big Apple. We took it upon ourselves to look at foods that are made popular by New Yorkers, were created in New York, or are part of our personal New York story, somehow have a connection to New York City, and came up with vegan versions of them. So that way, you can say, hey, you like General Tso's chicken? Well, guess what? That was created in New York. Here's the vegan version of it. I didn't even know that was created in New York. Most people do. Oh, there's a whole story in the book on that one particular dish. Oh, um, we're not, not going to give away the whole story <laughs> on that, but it's a really neat story. Like, they, So, um, for example, the cover photo is like a tempeh Reuben mm-hmm. um, with uh, a New York Brooklyn egg cream. And um, uh, 
you know, there's an argument, I mean, a silly argument, if you really think about it, about whether or not the Rubin originated in New York. It, it did originate in New York, Arthur Rubin, the whole story's in the book. Um, but there's some people in Kansas trying to claim that it was theirs, and, you know, that's cute. Uh, um, <laughs> so cute, Kansas. So cute, Kansas. We love you. Stay there. And, um, but, yeah, so, I mean, like, lots of different recipes like that. Um, and it's, I don't know, I, it, it just... It's sort of our experience of New York. So, I mean, I don't think the book is intended to be, especially with 101 recipes, it's not intended to be encyclopedic in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's our New York story. It's our New York story. And, you know, we felt pretty strongly that, like, when you write a cookbook, you should write about things you know and about things that you love. And we know vegan food, and we love vegan food, mm-hmm. and we love New York. And, I mean, this is where Michael was born and raised, and I moved here for college and never left. And... Um, uh, this is our town. This is where we met. This is where we got married. This is where we live our life. And so we just sort of felt like it's a convergence of you know what we love about New York. Um, it's almost like sort of like a love song we say. Like in the, it's in a the, love letter to New it York. It is a love letter uh, to New York. I think of it as love song, but okay, musical. It's a musical letter. <laughs> it's a musical. Letter. I'm singing the recipes in my head. That is amazing. <laughs> I'm singing about this recipe. That's for sure. Uh, so, but you guys aren't like chefs. No. Like what is no. that? How did that? I love asking these questions. I know how it happens right. mostly, but uh, but for our listeners, what how did what was the path to ultimately make a cookbook? Wow, we started the blog. There's one answer. J L Fields. J L Fields. Yeah, mm. that is the answer. That's kind of the answer to all things in life. I think is J L Fields. She <laughs> is the one we refer to her now as our fairy goat mother. Right, fairy goat mother. Yes. Yeah, we all love goats. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but to the, to, to the listeners who don't know yes. her, JL Fields, she's a jlgoesvegan.com, like the letters jlgoesvegan.com. Um, she's amazing. And she uh, she planted the seed of us starting Vegan Moe's as a blog. Mm-hmm. Yes, almost four years ago. Yeah. And we finally listened to her and started a blog. And then a little while later, she's like, you guys should do a cookbook. Like, no, we're not going to do a cookbook. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Of course you're not. We, had a cookbook. we did a cookbook. Yeah. So uh-huh. we're just waiting for her to tell us what we're doing next. Yeah. I can't wait to find out. <laughs> That's just sort of like consulting your astrologist. Like, yeah. Thursday, green. Talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> so the blog is recipes, all, but it also, like, combines... There's a lot the, of thought pieces into it. Yeah. There's a Try lot of truth like, in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some, it's, some if you're looking truth. for, like, just food... We may not be the right blog for you, but oh, if you want... I like the food. Oh, you'll love the food, but, there, but there's, there's going to be more with it. There are sides. There's going to be a lot of truth inside. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, and like you're... I'm not finding the words. It's super gay. It is super gay. But super you talk gay. about like the connections between gay liberation and... Gay we liberation, do. that feels we, like such an old time thing It's unfortunately an extremely timely thing yeah. for us to have to say again. Unfortunately. Um... Yeah, no, look, the Mo's and vegan Mo's, Mo's is homos. I mean, you know this, but for the listeners who don't, I mean, Mo's, um, it's sort of like an old, what, late 80s, early 90s kind of expression. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, she's a Mo, he's a Mo. It's it's sort of like an end term that we used to use to refer to someone saying, I heard people used to say that back then. People used to say that. Back in the day. (laughs) You were were above that at that point. Oh, I wasn't born. (laughs) Oh. You you had to do some research then. Yes. (laughs) That explains why... Your skin looks just so so youthful, and you have this glow. Mm-hmm. That and veganism. That and veganism. Well, I'm glowing with plants. 
Um, but uh, no, really, I mean, the, the Moses vegan Moses. And, and to be truthful, um, we actually had a discussion last year about how you know, there's been a heavy focus on the vegan here, which is mm-hmm. great, but we're really looking to have a bigger focus over the next year or so on the Mo's component of it. And um, that was actually a really important thing for us in getting uh, somebody to write the intro to the book. Because we felt like whoever writes the intro, we wanted it to be somebody, um, obviously it'd be great if it was somebody who was known within the movement, um, somebody who was either LGBTQ and a New Yorker. um, And we sort of got to a place where we almost felt like it's almost more important that the person is LGBTQ than being New Yorker, mm-hmm. and um, uh, but we wanted them to be both, and so long story short, um, we ended up approaching Alan Cumming, and he was so gracious and so sweet and down to earth <laughs> and normal, and was like, yeah, sure, I'll write you this. Thing. Happy to do it. Happy to do it. We're like, That's amazing. We're like, we don't even know you, <laughs> and like you just he's like, but that that sort of exemplifies the kind of. Um, internal self-supporting in the best possible way that goes on in both, I think, the vegan community mm-hmm. as well as the animal rights community as well as within um, the LGBTQ community. It's sort of like this recognition that we're all in this together and let's just help each other out. And yeah. he's been amazing. Yeah. I mean, incredible. That's so, so have you guys met him in person yet? So, no, by, the time yet. That, so by the time that this podcast <laughs> will be... Um, Airing, yes, we will have met him. Uh-huh. But we can't talk about it because it hasn't existed in the real world yet. Oh, but yeah. it's happening tomorrow. We're actually meeting him tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Real life tomorrow, tomorrow not real life podcast tomorrow. Real life tomorrow, tomorrow yeah, not podcast yeah. tomorrow. Please. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> that's so exciting. And you're like, why am I not interviewing you tomorrow night? <laughs> that needs to be your moment. I don't need to like, get on podcasty with that. Yeah, it'll be interesting. He's um, He seems like an amazing guy, and his activism has always inspired yeah. both of us. So it's pretty yeah. If you're not following him... Um, on Instagram <laughs> you should be it's Alan Cumming snaps he's like um, he is absolutely unrelenting on the political situation in the country and uh, world he is absolutely unrelenting on Chechnya and what's happening to gay men in Chechnya right now they're being rounded up for, for listeners who aren't aware they're being rounded up um, and put into concentration camps some of them are actually being killed um, and this is all at the behest of um, Chechnya's leader who is unfortunately much like our own tied to uh, Vladimir Putin and mm-hmm. so there are serious serious um, issues going on there for, for gay men and Alan has just been unrelenting in his speaking out about this as he does for the animals all the time and stuff like that I should be following him on Instagram he's amazing he today. he's I amazing mean, every vegan <laughs> every animal rights activist every LGBTQ activist every progressive Mm -hmm. should really be following everyone should be following Alan Cumming and given his social media following it looks like there are a lot of people who are yeah (laughs) great guy so was your um, veganism somehow connected to was did being gay sort of open your mind differently to animal rights I don't think I made the connection initially when I first went vegan, and it wasn't until I saw Speciesism, the movie. Which I still haven't seen yet, so I know. Minus five gay points. (laughs) Minus five gay points, minus five vegan points. That's like minus all the points. Minus minus all the points. Um, When the filmmaker was exploring speciesism and what allows us to use some animals versus other animals, and I started thinking about it, I was like, well... There's no difference between speciesism versus racism versus sexism versus homophobia. It's all this idea that one group 
is superior to another mm -hmm. for absolutely no valid reason, and because of their own perceived superiority, they can oppress people who aren't part of that group. So someone was like, wow, so the same way humans will oppress animals, it's like the anti-gay rights movement for some reason think they're better than the gays, and we mm -hmm. know they're not, they feel they can suppress and oppress us. And it was made, it took seeing that movie for me to make that connection about the intersection of all of this. Yeah. I had a more immediate connection when <clears throat> I um, was waking up to uh, the realities of what we do to animals, and specifically the animals that we use um, to become our food. And um, my... Uh, my sense was sort of an immediate recognition that uh, we otherize certain animals, uh, mm -hmm. like uh, the farmed animals, like cows and pigs and chickens and goats, uh, sheep, and the animals that we have a utility for, basically, for our own selfish need, we immediately otherize them. And I recognized that very clearly. There was that um, famous meme that goes around a lot where they um, show, like, well, now I've seen it really neat. Like, it's half of a cow's face and half of a dog's face. Mm -hmm. That's like, why love one but eat the other? And, and I had seen an earlier version of that back at the time that you and I were going vegan and floating around on the interwebs. And I remember looking at that, and I had this moment of, wow, so this is an arbitrary distinction. And um, when I realized that it was an arbitrary distinction, I thought immediately to the fact that I had spent much of my life feeling as though I've been otherized by large groups of people who, based on just one criteria, would immediately have a full set of assumptions about who I am, what I was about, because of this one criteria that they, ch that they chose to judge me by, rather than recognizing that there are all these other great criteria and bad criteria by which they can judge me as well. Yeah. Um, and so... Uh, having been but I mean I was also involved with ACT UP many many years ago when I first came out and um, I think uh, just inherently a little bit more activistic by nature mm -hmm. and so um, for for me it was a very immediate recognition of like wow this is a problem and I saw myself in these animals and so I had that sort of connection that empathy and that was a big part for me I, I think <clears throat> I, I often wonder if I weren't a gay man would I have come to veganism, or would I have come to it as easily in the way that I did? Yeah. I don't know. I'm just glad I'm gay. <laughs> and I'm glad I'm vegan. <laughs> they really go good together. They do. Cookbook, blog, feeding people mm -hmm. as activism. Mm -hmm. Go. <laughs> well, so the, <laughs> Victoria Moran's going to love that we're talking about yeah, this, because mm -hmm. this is actually what we talk about um, at her Main Street Vegan Academy. Oh, great. So our... our our discussion is typically about um, vegan food as activism. Vegan food as activism, and I think that um, there's that old commercial which I still can't get anyone. No one, no one no else knows it, but I remember this. So, if any of your listeners happen to know this commercial, I was born in 1971, so this was probably late 70s, early 80s, and it was seeing is believing, but tasting is proof. And, and you're it, smiling because you know you've heard this. Yeah, but that I was don't, the tagline. It was the, I don't remember what the product was. Oh, and maybe it sounds familiar to maybe we've it was like about seeing is believing, but tasting is proof. Mm -hmm. And to me, um, that describes vegan food as activism in a single sentence. Because 
I can show it to you. You can look at the beautiful pictures in our photo, in our, in our book. You can look at all these different things. But when you taste it, there is this immediate aha moment. And we realized this very early on when we started having friends. When I went vegan, we were still living in New Jersey. Um, and Michael was experimenting with lots of different recipes. I kept saying it was great. And then all of our non-vegan friends were coming over and having vegan food and going, this is incredible. Yeah. And recognize always the same statement. Like, if I had somebody who could cook like this for me every day, I'd be vegan. It's like, oh, good. We have it out. Um, <laughs> because their personal chefs that they had at home at that time didn't know how to cook vegan. Right. Well, it wasn't frozen. <laughs> it wasn't frozen. But, um. Um, but, but my feeling was like, like, aha. So if I can get you to taste it, and you recognize that this is exactly what you're going for. This this is this hits all the the sweet, the salty, the fatty, all yeah. the flavors that we all go for in the foods that we like. Then it doesn't matter that the protein source or you know the 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 base of this didn't come from a ground up soybean versus a ground up piece of and a vegetable matter versus a ground up animal. And we really see it at my family Thanksgiving gatherings mm. where. We were always charged with bringing the side dishes, so mm -hmm. we'll do the sweet potatoes and the green beans and stuffing, all vegan, and we'll bring a couple of the Gardein holiday roasts. Mm -hmm. At this point, four or five people besides us go for the Gardein rather than the turkey. Like, this is just so much better. And they're always asking us questions. Where can I get it? Like, just at the grocery store. Yeah, Nothing special. You can get it at your local Safeway. And yeah. for some reason, they won't actually do it. But whenever they bring it, they're so happy. They're like, "Oh my god, you brought it again!" It's like, yeah, that's cool. Like, it's not like we're not going to be bringing it next year. So yeah, and especially right. now, right? Because yeah, yeah. you're like, "Oh, here's that vegan thing yeah. that you like better than the dead animal." Exactly. Exactly. Because you can cite all the statistics you want on and nine million, nine billion, nine trillion, whatever number of animal you are referring to. It's such an unfathomably large number. You can't even picture it. Doesn't mean mm. anything. Doesn't mean anything. It becomes a useless statistic. Yeah. And also, just to carry around all those statistics in your head is really hard. I'm not a statistics <clears throat> and numbers memory kind of guy. Yeah. But I can show you how to eat really, really good food without contributing to those numbers. Yeah. I'm so. a statistics guy. And so my feeling is that if, if we can get another person every single year, each of us, all of us, at our Thanksgiving meals, if we can each get just one other person to, to stop participating in the partaking of a turkey, we could eradicate that tradition in our lifetime. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's a numbers game. Mm -hmm. And I know that's horrible because when you think about it on an individual level, if you ever meet a turkey, yeah. like I'm thinking about... Um, I was up at Woodstock Farm Sanctuary a little over a week ago, and um, I was hanging out with Beatrice, the turkey. And she is, like, the most amazing ambassador for turkeys that you've ever met. She's everything that people don't think a turkey is, right? Like, yeah. she's, she's smart, and she's inquisitive, and she's sassy, but she's funny, and she's cuddly. She likes to, like, get on your lap, and she snuggles in, and she, mm -hmm. like... She like she makes these vocalizations that almost sounds like she's a cat purring, but then she makes these really beautiful like sing song sounds, which tell tell you that she's just happy. Yeah. And um, and Beatrice is like she's a person. And then when you think about like Thanksgiving Day, and there are forty eight million Beatrices dead on a table for that one day, that one meal alone in this country, it's like yeah. I, I, you can't fathom the, 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 the personal cost, but if you can think about it in terms of like 
okay, well, then don't think about it on the personal cost. Let's go for the numbers. Let's just, let's go for the numbers because if it's the numbers, the numbers, you know how to run it. Mm-hmm. And, and like Michael said, you know, on, on a very basic level, you know, if you're looking, um, that was a, I think we should tell everybody what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a cool move. Michael's, Michael's allergies are so bad and he like, Sorry. he just, was that, a away. Sneeze? that was a sneeze. He just, I held it in cause I didn't want to, <laughs> he just jumped away. That was, so that was amazing. Was like, something, like, Michael just happening? ran away from the table <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, he's got really bad allergies. That was actually great. Sneeze. I didn't hear the sneeze even in the other room. He's pretty awesome. I held it in cause I've gotten good at it, but yeah. Oh my gosh. But, um, but back to Beatrice and the, yes. and the turkeys and, and all of them. I mean, my feeling is like like Michael said, you can't. If it were really about the personal effect, if it were really about caring about not harming another individual, everyone would be vegan by now. Mm-hmm. So it's not about that. And unfortunately, and that's not to judge people who aren't vegan. Um, I mean, I do plenty of that. But but um, but in truth, you know, before we were vegan, we weren't. Mm-hmm. And so, from my perspective. Um, you need to have your breakthrough moment. And I don't know what anyone's, your breakthrough moment versus mine versus, we all have different moments where the stars align in our life and we just sort of, um, we're, we're susceptible to seeing the truth. Like you have a moment of clarity where you can really see it and not just see it, but feel it in an internalized way where you can't unknow what you know. Yeah. Um, because it's not like I didn't completely know about this stuff before I went vegan. It's just that <clears throat> I was in a moment in my life where I really, could take it in and I think of like dogs and cats I think of them as gateway drugs to veganism I think that they are they are ambassadors of empathy and they get us to wake up and recognize that animals speak different languages and they communicate differently but they feel love and pain just like we do and so I mean when you think about it in those terms yeah if people were going to be doing it because like wow we don't want to hurt animals everyone would be vegan so they're not yeah so there's a convenience factor and there's a numbers game and there's all this and and that's where i think something like nyc vegan comes in because it says all right what's your favorite new york city fruit you you, you can do it vegan i mean yeah whether you're talking about pretzel pizza pizza egg cream knish cheesecake cheesecake um chicken soup uh, pretzels? Did you say pretzels yep. already? Street pretzels. Street pretzels. Did you say pretzels already? We said it. Zeppeli. Remember those little Zeppelis? Mm-hmm. Oh, those are those are in here. Churros. Churros. I mean, if it's if it's um, arepa, I mean, whatever it is that you're eating in New York City, like these are these are the foods. Mm-hmm. Or because because we're totally mixing our our Latin um, metaphors here. We decided that since it was Cinco de Mayo yesterday, um, we we should just. Totally give you Puerto Rican and Dominican food. Today. Oh, amazing! Because <laughs> you know that's what white people do. Just oh, white people! Oh, white people! And we have a sombrero and yo hablo español. So you know, muy, muy bien. bien. There you go. Good job. Oh my gosh, let's take a pause from this, okay. and then we'll start recording again when we're eating a different thing. Sounds good. We'll be back. that we've got. We are now eating uh, mafungo and arroz con maíz. I don't know um, what any of that is. Mafungo is typically a... So mafungo yeah. is a... Um, it's a... So it's 
associated as being a Caribbean food, and it is typically um, made from um, ripe um, sweet plantains and unripe. Uh, sorry, unripened. Unripe. I said yeah, green ones. Um, green plantains, um, and typically they'll mix it with like seafood, pork, something like that. Some some animal matter, um, and. There are different varieties of it. So, like the the mafungo that is Puerto Rican is slightly different in its preparation than Dominican, than a very similar dish in Cuba, which is actually something that they call fufu, f u f u, fufu de plantano. Um, so it's a fufu of plantains. They actually all derive from African cuisine because oh. they were all African slaves that moved <coughs> to um, moved. You know, they just have to move. <laughs> They're gonna move because you know they, they were decided. immigrants. They were immigrants, hardly. Um, they were slaves who were brought to the Caribbean. And um, this was traditional, fufu is a traditional African um, meal. It's usually made out of like um, a starchy vegetable, like a cassava root or mm-hmm. a um, plantain, which is very similar in texture. Breadfruit is another one, um, mixed with some sort of a meat. And so um, our, our Puerto Rican mafango is, um, well, we made this one with soy curls, so mm-hmm. it's actually gluten-free. Mm-hmm. Um, um, although, in our cookbook, we also have it, obviously, with seitan. With seitan or with the soy curl. And um, um, the mafango, the seasoning, is an adobo spice mix. It's, yeah, mm. it's just an adobo. And that's in the book as well. Um, yeah. yeah. And then our um, the arroz con maiz, which translates from Spanish literally to um, rice with corn, um, this one is more of a Dominican variety because the Puerto Rican variety of it um, is typically made with a sofrito base where they sort of get the, the fried peppers going mm-hmm. with the onions and whatnot, and that becomes the base for cooking the rice. And then they typically put in um, some sort of pig sausage, whether it's, um, I, I don't know, some derived pig sausage, which could very easily be done um you know, vegan. There are yeah. amazing vegan sausages out there right now. Um, they, the the difference for us in the cookbook is we really wanted to focus on. Um, we chose the Dominican version of it, which is a lot simpler. They usually typically use like that yellow chicken bouillon cube type mm-hmm. thing, to, and and then just some um, sazon like goya seasoning, and um, and that's what we do here because we we chose both. We chose the simpler of the recipes, the less complicated because. Um, in a lot of ways, I think it's just our inclination to believe that the simpler the food, the more flavorful, and um, and that food does not need to be complicated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think people often overcomplicate their recipes, and in doing so, uh, complicate the, the flavors and, and intimidate people from making really accessible, healthy, delicious food. Because you had asked us early on, many seasons ago in this podcast, <laughs> um, if we were like trained chefs Mm -hmm. this just reflects that no we are not we are home cooks we learn to cook in our mom's and grandma's kitchens or I haven't had cooking when I was in junior high school we had a cooking class Mm -hmm. but there's no professional training our whole goal is if we can get you in the kitchen cooking easily there's no reason not to do it yeah and our other big thing is yeah these are our recipes how we like to do them but if you want more of something in a recipe or less of something, or hey, I'd like to add this in instead, we're not going to be staring over your shoulders saying, don't yeah, do this. I, I want you, Ethan wants you to pick up the book, cook from it, make <clears throat> changes to suit your own taste, but just get in the kitchen and cook and have fun and enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think um, part of that, like Michael said, is food empowerment for people. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we're super spoiled here in New York where we can... Um, 
We can order anything we want, any time of the day that we yeah. want, and have it delivered to our home. We don't even need to leave our apartment, right? Like, it can be delivered, mm-hmm. and whatever cuisine you want, because there's so many people living here and so many different cuisines. I mean, and it's always available. Yeah. But, uh, and that's great. Um, and we partake in that all the time when we're really exhausted and just don't feel like cooking. But, um, unfortunately, I think a lot of people get into the game of um, doing that and ordering that because they feel like they can't cook. And um, I feel like being able to cook is like being able to clothe yourself and being able to dress yourself and to groom yourself, wash your your body. Like these are very basic human functions and um, it's not complicated and you don't need to go and take some crazy class. If you can follow instructions, um, and most people can, uh, you can cook. And nothing in our book requires like special weird ingredients Mm-mm. it's well we're, we're eating soy curls, or soy right curls now, maybe so the one that is the one <laughs> that is the one thing which you can buy them online butlerfoods.com mm-hmm. and they're so great they're and, fantastic and they're, and, all, and they're mm-hmm. all food actually what's a quick way to put people at ease who are freaking out about soy mm. everything <laughs> you're reading is that's anti-soy is generally put out by the Cattlemen's Association or the Dairy Association or people who don't want you eating soy because yeah. it serves their best interests. Mm. Follow the money trail and you'll see who's telling you not to eat it. It's mm-hmm. very very well said. And people who are so afraid of eating soy, if you're eating animals, you're eating soy because that is what is fed to the cows mm-hmm. and the pigs and the chickens. They're eating soy. So <clears throat> not only are you eating the animals, you're eating processed genetically modified soy. Mm. So, if you're so afraid of soy, don't eat animal products. Mm-hmm. The only thing I would add to what Michael said, I think that that's a great way of sort of boiling it down. Um, really speaking with like my little doctor hat on, although you know I don't wear hats, but um, <laughs> messes with the hair. <laughs> but um, uh, 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 the, the only people who really should not eat soy are people with a soy allergy, and that's mm-hmm. a real thing. There are some people who are allergic to soy, and they should obviously not eat it. Um, and people with specific types um, of breast cancer. Um, there are very specific subtypes of breast cancer. Thankfully, not most of them, where they are sensitive to the um, the uh, phytoestrogen. Look, thank you, the phytoestrogens um, in soy that could theoretically um, trigger um, relapses and issues for people who are have that kind of sensitivity. But that is thankfully the overwhelming majority of the world can eat soy and eats yeah. it well. And um, in most parts of the world where they're they don't have the luxury of deciding what what protein they want today, um, mm-hmm. and they get cheap, um, uh, affordable soy, they they thrive and live long, healthy lives on on. <clears throat> on the soybean. So we are now sitting down to the famous New York City black and white cookie. Also referred to, to as a black, black and white. white. They actually dropped the word cookie. Oh, they did? Yeah. yeah. They just refer to it as black and whites. There's even a whole Seinfeld episode about that. Taking one now. Go for it. They're actually technically not really a cookie because it's more of like a cake batter. Mm-hmm. But they're. It's like a really stiff cake batter. But they're. Mm. Everyone likes a stiff cake. Batter. These are so good. <laughs> All like. right. Where can we find you guys on the internet? You can find us on the interwebs. 
at veganmos.com, V-E-G-A-N-M-O-S.com. We're the same on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, all vegan mos. All the time. And the book, Amazon, anywhere really, right? Yep. You can yep. get it at Amazon.com. I believe Barnes & Noble is now going to be carrying, .com is carrying it as well. Um, ask for it in a local bookstore, see if they can get it for you. Mm. Yep. Vegan Heritage Press. And um, we want to give a shout out to Vegan Heritage Press, who's our publisher. Yeah. The book is beautiful. Jackie Saban for much. the unbelievable photography. That's why the book is beautiful, between the two of them. I mean, they just made yeah. this look. And Diane Wenz for the amazing layout and design of the book. Yeah, she did. I don't know her. Mm-hmm. It was Facebook. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, great. Thanks for all the food. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us, us here. Through wires away from the bulls 
That's I Run To You from the Anna Kate Band. You may remember them from their appearance on my live podcast uh, this summer. Uh, Fantastic. That's from their new album, which you should absolutely check out. Uh, It's streaming everywhere, and you can also buy a copy. Oh, I think you can only buy a copy. Uh, I'll put a link to their website at MikeyPod.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you to the Vegan Moes for uh, allowing me to, well, they fed me. We talked about their book. Uh, They were on the podcast, and they waited all these months for me to podcast it. So thanks for listening. Thank you, Vegan Moes. Check out their cookbook for sure. And I think that's everything. Uh, MikeyPod.com. If you do like this podcast, I would love it if you'd leave a review somewhere, you know, wherever you're listening to this. Um, Send me an email. Say hi. I think that's everything. Talk to you next time. Goodbye.